Actors, we've all got issues, so let's talk about them. I'm your host, Juaniala, and this is Actors with Issues. Ladies, gents, and non-binary friends, welcome to another episode of Actors with Issues, where we talk shop with guests from TV, film, and Broadway. I am your host, Juan Ayala, and joining us from the Broadway production of Some Like It Hot, please welcome to the stage, Adam Heller. Adam, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Juan. Thanks for having me. Um, so before we dive in, uh, I just have to say a quick bravo. I saw the show for the second time just a few weeks ago, and just as brilliant as the first. You know, some cast changes, but it's, you know always completely seamless you know any broadway show you see it's just complete total professionals and so much art you have to take in at once not just the acting but the designs and the you know the costumes and everything and it was just absolutely brilliant i'm i'm so excited that you all had such a great run bummed of course that it's closing in december but you know just terrific so anyone listening go see the show while you have a chance it's running through december yeah it's funny you should say that because it does feel like more than most shows that it is the product of so many people but it feels like it's kind of a single voice mm -hmm. so it's very cohesive i think in in its storytelling and everyone from the writers to the direction to the actors it just seems like a just this sort of perfect meeting of the minds and uh, it is a real a pleasure to do nightly and i i really i mean it sounds i don't know pollyannish but i really do uh anticipate uh with joy getting into that room with those people and i mean all of them you know it's like uh backstage the staff is blah, uh the the beautiful uh tech staff of the schubert theater is you know uh uh, second to none and, and it's just a pleasure to be there so mm. thank you and uh we're going to be happy being there through uh december 30th you know? so, so uh, we... take us through the early years you know when how did adam heller get to where he is today what started this whole journey for you well uh i was um the fourth child of two theater going parents who in their own courtship uh, went to the theater regularly and uh, sat in the cheap seats, which then were actually affordable. And uh, they spoke lovingly of their times watching, you know, the newest uh, O'Neill plays uh, to come their way. And uh, they were two uh, kids who grew up in Brooklyn. And uh migrated uh around the tri-state area but started their their marriage in manhattan and so they developed this theater going habit which they passed along to their children and so uh you know i was the happy beneficiary of that tradition and my mother's father uh was a great theater goer and uh he his uh favorite performer was ethel merman so maybe there's some sort of musical theater tie-in uh, in terms of the genealogy. He just didn't miss a Merman show. And uh, so he passed it along to my mother, uh, who uh, passed it along to my dad. And so, you know, I guess many of us have opportunities early on uh, in school to perform and cut up and 
uh, be the class clown. I suppose that uh, I uh, fit that bill and uh, went into the plays and uh, musicals that my school was putting on. And, and, you know, like many, I got addicted to that first laugh, which I still remember, like uh, the crack of a, a baseball bat on uh, uh, and I remember the rush of that that laugh that I, I received and uh, kind of thought to myself, yes, more of that. Yeah. And uh, so that led to, you know, that interest going to many plays and musicals as a kid that some I absorbed because I understood what was going on. But other things like I, I was dragged to a pinter play. Uh, that starred uh, Ralph Richardson and John Gielgud called uh, No Man's Land. Mm. And, uh, you know, Pinter is uh, famously uh, a tough nut to crack uh, under the best circumstances. But when you're 12, uh, I, you know, I received some, but I, I knew I was watching great acting and authentic, uh, real lives being lived in front of my eyes. And I, and that was, you know, I think formative and um, and drove me. And I uh, eventually ended up at NYU, uh, Tisch School, and I studied at Circle in the Square and lived in the city, which was fantastic and a logical progression because I, I had been a Long Island kid uh, prior to college and would often come into the city for matinees and uh, so it, it it seemed like uh, a logical step for me to to set foot uh, at NYU and uh, take a a spin at, at what city life would be like. And uh, I guess it was somewhat easier back then because I think oh God I think my first um, apartment was two hundred and forty dollars a month. Oh God. <laughs> hate me if you will but it was it was the way things were in 1978 mm -hmm. uh and uh you know it was affordable town uh to live and work in and start a career in the theater which was uh my dream and you know just to get back my parents who are no longer with us um mm -hmm. they were uh, immensely supportive of following that path because I I guess they could kind of see that uh, I you know I had an affinity for these things and, uh, so it was with their help and their support that you know I embarked on, on a professional career you know growing up during those early years were there any actors um, whose work you saw or careers you followed and thought like that that's what I want that's that's what I want to do well, you know, there was this magnificent, because as you ask that, there was this magnificent production uh, of a, a one-man show called St. Mark's Gospel mm -hmm. that Alec McGowan, a great British actor, uh, brought to New York uh, briefly. And I just was spellbound at how he was able to hold the audience's attention I and mean, you could hear a pin drop. Um, amazing performances over the years. I mean, uh, one that comes to mind uh, because I saw the show recently 
was Len Carrier's magnificent performance in the original Sweeney Todd, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, was like, I set my cap for that. I thought this guy is not only singing magnificently and telling the story through that beautiful score, but he, he was a magnificent classical actor. After it closed, um, one of the things he went to do immediately was to go back to uh, an artistic home of his in uh, Stratford, uh, Canada, uh, the Stratford Festival there. And he did a double bill of Coriolanus and the Taming of the Shrew. Mm. And uh, you could, his chops, you know, his acting chops were just uh, sublime. And that he married the musical theater tradition with that high standard of acting was just a mind blower for me. That was a kind of a, a template. I wanted to do that too. You know, I, it's an artificial medium, uh, musical theater, but if you bring to it an imaginative, uh, truth and authenticity like he did, then you sort of bridge that gap. Uh, and so it, it, it plays on your imagination that the theater is an artificial construct. And, uh, and so he fully embraced that and lent to it an authenticity, a word I'll probably overuse, but cause it is my kind of credo with these things. I, I, I like to feel like it's real and, uh, and, you know, always appreciate uh, the opportunity to, to try that out myself. But, you know, uh, Maggie Smith, uh, came to town um, in a Tom Stoppard play called Night and Day hmm. uh, that I had the privilege of seeing in the 80s. And, uh, um, uh, just a host of, of actors. Of course, you know, the great Mark Rylance uh, yeah. is somebody who, you know, we can learn so much from. He is, <laughs> he is the pinnacle. Uh, so, you know, so many performances and so much to admire. You know? Yeah. Mark Ryland is one of my, probably one of my all time favorites, uh, since college, we, um, you know, there was a few Shakespeare courses and whatnot, but we would watch the, uh, recordings of the, uh, the, the globe productions that they would film. And while he was, you know, in pretty much every production of the 12th night he did, um, which I was bummed I didn't get to see when it was actually in New York, but I at least saw that filmed, uh, production it was just brilliant. He's he's just hysterical, and of course his dramatic work is brilliant as well. Uh, did you happen to see Jerusalem? I did not. No. Mm-mm. Just just tremendous. Uh, I, I hope he comes back to New York soon. Yeah. And you, you know, like over the years, actors have so many sort of um, peaks and valleys. You know, it's never this linear line as we hope, or this upward trajectory. It looks more like a pulse just sort of up and down and whatnot. So during those lulls, during those valleys, was there a time that you thought, okay, I gave this a try. Maybe it's time for something else. Or did you just know you had to go like, you know, full speed ahead. This is the, this is the journey. This is what it is. Um, it's the latter. Um, mm-hmm. I never imagined another path, uh, which is, you know, kind of what the teachers always told us, you know, if there's anything else you can do, please do it. Yeah. Because as you say, you know, you're going to experience so many 
peaks and valleys and you will always be looking for work i mean this is something that's uh that is just chronic in our business and it and it never ends and so it's how do you keep your sanity sometimes uh you handle it better than others and there is just um you know the pandemic was so interesting because we all had to unplug it was we were uh, a, a civilization forced to just settle back and and it was peculiar and uh and to know that the acting profession was uh something that was sort of the most aggressive way of transmitting this virus uh was just what an irony you know that 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 and singers particularly because they just you know they they were able to uh understand that the force of singing was to aspirate heavily uh and it was it was just a, a strange thing but it is something um the hills and valleys are are something that i think you just become accustomed to and mm-hmm. you know hopefully you surround yourself uh with uh, a, a great team of support and and uh family and friends and uh friends are key you know that's something that i have always uh, thought uh is the the greatest uh gift uh that an actor can have is to have a a, a, a you know a, a, a group uh of friends who you can lift up uh who they and and they do likewise for you and um and you nurture those friends and um some of my best friends are those that i met uh doing uh, you know a show 35 years ago and uh you know everybody has sort of migrated to many uh, have stayed acting uh, but others have migrated into other things uh casting producing and directing uh but but there's something about old friends as the song goes that uh mm. uh is uh, like no other so um i have a great a, a, a great uh, group of of friends who i love and who i uh, uh i'm invested in yeah that's that's definitely been a, a pretty big recurring theme especially since this is sort of a covid origin type of show folks always say like keep you know find your community find your little village of support to not just celebrate the wins but also mourn the losses and you know, to be able to go to for advice or reassurance or for that sort of hard, that, that shoulder grab, just being like, hey, you got this, like, don't worry, like, because sometimes you go to your, you know, non-artistic friends or even family members who, you know, they're like, well, why are you still doing this? Why don't you give up or, you know, try right. something else? It's like, well, that's not what I need. I don't need to give up. That's not going to help. <laughs> right. I need other kinds of advice, but not right. that. <laughs> Uh, if this is what you are meant to do then we're destined to tough it out and uh and so we shall yeah. uh, and occasionally uh in you know out of the rubble comes uh, a, a beautiful project like some like it hot mm-hmm. uh with great old friends and it really does weave back to that because um i i guess i've known casey nikolov for 
nearly 30 years. We both acted together in the original uh, Kiss of the Spider Woman mm-hmm. uh, at SUNY Purchase, where it was originally developed and then scrapped for a while. And then it, it came back to, and had another life. But Casey and I were actors in that. And uh, uh, I fell for him then. And then we were fortunate enough to move on and do another show, Victor Victoria, um, uh, with uh, with Mark Latito, who uh, plays Spats Colombo in Something Like It Hot and is also an old dear friend. So we share a dressing room and, and meet up nightly and swap stories and you know, uh, Christian Borrell and I have known each other for 25 years and met sharing a music stand at a, a, a reading of uh, the last Cy Coleman musical. Uh, and it turned out to be the last uh, the last work that Wendy Wasserstein produced. Uh, and uh, so we met, shared, you know, giggles and whispers under our breath during that process and, and uh, became fast friends. So it's interesting how, you know, people like weave in and out of your lives. And if you're lucky, uh, you'll get to work with them again. And uh, you usually do. And that becomes the wider family that that uh, we get to embrace and love. Uh, so, you know, Some Like It Hot is a lot of that. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, so if you hang out long enough, uh, you, you, you reconnect with, uh, buddies, uh, uh, along the way. It's really been great. Yeah. Uh, we had, um, some of your co-stars, uh, on the show, uh, previously we had Angie Schwar and Kevin Delaga and, uh, Angie was talking about how with, you know, she's known Casey for, for decades and they you know did uh, she was in the prom because of him and they had done many shows before that and just just similarly just sort of you know like collaborate with good people and and just form those bonds and those relationships and you know not for the sake of oh maybe they can do something for me down the line just for the sake of of having a circle of people like like we were saying before of support and um, even, you know, Kevin was saying he got a text from Mark Shaman <laughs> randomly while he was at Disney World saying like, hey, would you like to do a reading of this new show? He's like, oh, sure. And then, you know, fast forward years later and Tony nominated for his role in the show. And, you know, uh, here we are today. <laughs> I know. And it's a funny thing because, you know, I couldn't back in, in the days of Kiss of the Spider Woman, I would never have guessed that Casey uh, had the kind of aspirations that he had. Uh, He always wanted to direct and choreograph shows, but I didn't know that back then. All I knew was here was this guy who was completely charming and funny and subversive and uh, sarcastic and all the things, you know, that I kind of enjoy and, um, make uh, doing a show uh, with people the the fun and uh, the lift that it gives you. Um, but what a surprise, you know, that later on, you know, Casey uh, uh, is so magnificently successful and uh, such a dear friend and, uh, and uh, a great camaraderie among 
all of us. And uh, so, you know, putting this show together and we started uh, my involvement with it was uh, three years ago. It began uh, with a, a, an all out workshop um, that we did in the January uh, before the shutdown. So we got as far as that. And the trajectory was do it in Chicago and then bring it to New York. But as you probably already know, um, the Chicago plans were scuttled. And uh, after we picked up again, we did a, a full scale workshop with invited audiences uh, over two weeks and learned a whole lot. And it, in effect, replaced uh, what we would have learned out of town. Uh, uh, but we were able to sleep in our own beds at night, which was uh, pretty delightful. So and, you know, I'm a firm believer that with uh, any booking someone gets, whether it's a you know a two line co star in a TV show or you know a lead in a Broadway musical, there's always something to be learned in that process. So, what would you say you've learned while doing something like it hot? It's all for one and one for all. I think um, you know. They're all kind. It's I have a very small part of the story, but it it it's essential. It it's part of the motor of the story, um, and I guess it's just a a feature of collaboration that uh, I take great joy in hearing the entire enterprise every night and in terms of its development, how keen everyone was to using what worked and losing what didn't. And, you know, our collaborators were very ruthless about that. Um, mm. Something didn't land, but we lost it. And you didn't cry about it because you knew that it was for the greater good mm. of big picture. So though you may have, uh, you know, killed your darlings in the course of it, uh, you knew that ultimately the engine was stronger for it and we would get further. And uh, so, you know, to see that uh, beautiful thing uh, develop over the years uh, was a real privilege, actually. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I am surprised it isn't running for years and years because it does seem to have everything that I require of a, of a show that means to entertain and to enlighten and uh, to build on uh, source material that went as far as it did for the time that it was created um, and and with uh, great respect for that source material, bring it into the current times and uh, I think does it with great respect to uh, Billy Wilder, IAL Diamond and all of those uh, original uh, creators who are Interestingly, when Spielberg came to the show, maybe Kevin mentioned this, but uh, maybe Angie too, but he knew uh, uh, Billy Wilder and uh, he loved the show, uh, uh, Spielberg did, and said that I 
that he felt that uh, Billy Wilder would have loved it too. Uh, that it, it, it is in the spirit of, of his screenplay and, and then gets us even further uh, along those lines. It's, it, uh, it was just a very sweet thing to hear and gratifying, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What a compliment. I mean, you know, the, the film, you know, is iconic in, in its own in its own right but i mean as you said i'm very surprised the show's not running you know when the 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 date was announced for december i was very surprised i i thought it would run you know much longer because it does have this sort of out of time quality it feels so timeless even though it's from a specific period and based on specific material but it just feels so modern there's you know uh, women taking agency over their careers and their love lives and and i love you know um uh, Kevin's character escapes my my Osgood. name. Osgood, his whole story of, you know, being part of multiple cultures and having to live this double life and that parallel to it's just it's so much of it was just brilliant and so so well done. Um that's why I was happy to go see it a second time <laughs> when I well, did. Organic, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. it doesn't feel like it is you know, a Frankenstein monster of, of ideas that are being sort of attached to a property and it, in order to appeal to a, a modern sensibility. It feels like it it comes by all of these values honestly and mm. and uh, and organically. And, and uh, yeah, it's it, 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 so proud of it. And uh, to be, uh, you know, a, a part of the ensemble of, of players here uh, is just uh, just uh, tickles me every night. Yeah. Thrilled to go in. I'll be leaving in like a half hour to uh, <laughs> to drive here in from uh, Rockland County and uh, make the uh, commute uh, to Midtown Manhattan. Mm. And you know, with the name of our show being Actors with Issues, um, what comes to mind as like? something that's industry standard that should just be done away with i feel like there is so much out there that folks are like how are we still doing this how do we still use this type of language or this concept in casting or things like that what comes to mind is sort of like the worst of the worst i'm really happy that we're hearing voices that are greatly diverse and uh, that that we're we're telling stories that we might not have uh were it not for you know social movements that have absolutely been necessary and mm -hmm. so that we're you know so that that the gates are open and that everything goes now and mm -hmm. um and that everybody has a place at the table to tell their story and to take ownership of those stories, it seems to me, is very empowering and, and essential. And uh, so I, I'm really glad we've taken that turn and uh, that new directors are coming to Broadway and uh, uh, playwrights and actors and uh, that... Uh, you know, and the theater is going to be stronger for it. I think, you know, we have a ways to go to get back to our sort of pre-pandemic footing. But 
we're in a much better place, I think, intellectually and uh, in uh, regards to our values than we were. And so I think the business will catch up to that. Yeah. Um, but it is, it, it, it's really gratifying to know that uh, it won't be just the same voices, but that there, there are additional voices now that are just making the ground more fertile for all of us. So, uh, so bully for all of us, you know, and, uh, it's, uh, it's been really great to be a part of, to watch, uh, sport. Well, Adam, thank you so, so much for taking the time to chat with us and for talking about the issues and reflecting on, on your, on your career and everything. Thank you so much for, again, for, for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Pleasure. Thanks, Juan. And for everyone listening, be sure to go catch Some Like It Hot at the Schubert Theater in New York City until December 30th. And I don't remember if there's a tour announced yet, but if there is, you can catch it once it's in your city or go visit a city near you to see it because it's absolutely phenomenal. And thank you all so much for listening. I'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to Actors with Issues on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and visit our YouTube channel for full video interviews. Actors with Issues is executive produced and hosted by Juan Ayala. See you next time.